On this episode of Resi Week, Control 4's new Nero remote, Harmony thinks the remote is dead, and Annixter is acquired for $3.8 billion. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 196, Clicks versus Bricks. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. And by Draper, focused on innovative solutions. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend in South Florida, Joe Piccarelli. He is the CEO of Rosewater Energy. How are you, sir? I'm great today. How are you? Doing fantastic. I'm uh, enjoying the cold that you're never going to see. <laughs> and I'm also sad. Can't you tell? <laughs> I, I can see that. Then we've got my good friend, Alicia Headley. She is the Associate Sales Engineer at Access Networks. How are you, ma'am? Good. What's going on, Matt? How you been? How much? I've been fantastic. Great to see you. Same. It's been a while. Thanks for having minute. me again. No, no problem at all. Last but not le- least, we have my good friend, Bob Archer. He is the Senior Editor of CE Pro. How are you, sir? Very good. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us, all three of you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick this right off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro. Snap AV has released their uh, new version, I guess, uh, new model of the Neo Remote. Uh, if you remember back in early February of uh, this past year, uh, Snap AV, or Control 4 at the time, but now Snap AV, uh, acquired Nero. Uh, which really had been a a remote that was getting all kinds of buzz. Very few got out into the wild. It was a Kickstarter product, but it really kind of kicked off uh, with a, a a lot of a lot of hype. And when Control Four bought it, it it became a pretty big deal. And now, uh, some what eight nine months later, they have released their uh, new Nero remote for control four. Take a look at it. Uh, you can see it there. It, it has a large touchscreen display and a D pad with a couple of hard buttons as well. It is one of the only remotes that I know of that is made out of machined uh, aluminum or aluminum. If you're a Johnny I fan, uh, Bob, I want to start with you on this one. This is a one, a, a really sexy looking remote. But two, this this kind of seems to change the game for remotes in the sense that it re- it can require next to no uh, configuration. If you have an existing Control Four system that's on OS three, you can buy one of these remotes from a from a Control Four partner, take it home, connect it to Wi Fi, and tell it what room it's in, and it will instantly work. Are we to the point where? the backend systems are so strong that remotes like this uh, can just show up and function and, and users can love them. Is, is that where we're trying to go? I think obviously that's what, where they are trying to go. You know, what, what they're saying in theory or what they're trying to go for and what reality is are two separate things. But ultimately, 
you know, that is where the industry wants to go. They want to make these products as turnkey as possible. They're integrators in the field to save them time and labor. But, uh, um, you know, I, I know Control 4, is a, they have some smart people there, and hopefully it delivers on the promise. Very good. Alicia, the, one of the biggest takeaways I had from this, and I, I was in uh, a press briefing on this earlier uh, last week, is that they're offering this at a MSRP of $600, which I, I've been in this business for, for quite a long time. $600 for quite a while did not buy much. It barely bought you a decent remote that your dog couldn't chew to pieces. This seems to be priced at a, at a price point that is, dare I say, undercutting almost every other person out there, yet overperforming as far as fit and finish. And, you know, we haven't had one working in-house yet to play with. So I, I don't know exactly how it's going to function, but it's going to be on OS3. So it's going to function like OS3 devices does. How do they, how do they get down to a price point like that? And more importantly, is it something where they're pricing it for the market to, to expand that market? Absolutely. They're, they're in a position, like we talked about a little bit earlier, to distribute a, um, a full solution all the way down to the remote now. Um, and across in our entire industry, price point is something that's very important. Um, better technology at a lower cost, which is affordable to everyone. So, of course, they're going to market a little bit lower since it's going to be new to the market. Because originally when uh, Nero started um, out with the, the Kickstarter, they were shipping a product. Once they got bought out by Control 4, they stopped shipping that product. So this is going to be them getting back to the market as well. Why not have it at a reasonable price point, see how it does, and um, how it works across the board with the other products that Control 4 can actually offer. So it's interesting to see them drop it with such a low uh, price and how this is actually going to function when we start seeing them deployed in, in the field. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Joe, you've been around, you kicked off our, our talk, you know, our pre-show preamble about how you're the old star. You've been in this business a long time. You've been following distribution, uh, retail, the, the whole kick. You, you've been involved in this industry for quite a while. What is, what is Control 4 and, and really Snap AV? What are they doing with this, this new remote, with, with the concept that, that under Snap's umbrella, they now have really everything that you can want. And, and obviously Control 4 had a remote before, but they definitely didn't have one as sexy as this thing. I, I, this is the part that really intrigues me. And unfortunately, yes, I am old enough now. I think I have my 45-year stripe in this business. So it's been a long <laughs> time. That's awesome. That's why I don't keep mirrors in my house. But, you know, when, when I look at it and I look at the industry, as, as system integrators, one of the problems we have been plagued with is prices are always dropping. And here we see another example, this beautifully finished remote control that's coming in anywhere between $200 and $600 under market, which creates a problem because custom integrators have difficulty scaling customers per year. They are much better off at dollars per customer. Because it, it just, it, we are a custom business. I think Snap is trying to do two things. One, they, I think they are trying to offer, as Alicia said, full home theater solutions, but also allowing 
SNAP slash control dealers, if you are part of their umbrella, a way to scale customers per year because you are literally offering full home solutions on a pallet. They could drop in a full home solution with SEPs. You're ordering, your pre-wiring is done. Everything makes it, I can do more jobs a week, more jobs a day. Uh, the question I have always toyed with is will they get to a point where their next distribution point will be delivering customers, which I've always found to be fascinating. Yeah, that's an interesting take. One last question for the, for the panel. Remotes, you know, for, for a long time, we, we all felt that remotes were kind of going away. We were going to touchscreens, we were going to mobile, we were going to, you know, uh, voice act, just a, a whole litany of things to replace the remote control. Snap and Control 4 have obviously invested quite a lot in a Nero to, to make it what it is. And again, this is a, a, it's a hybrid remote that's half touchscreen, half buttons. Why does the remote not seem to be able to die? Um, well, I think if you talk to Control 4, Matt, they'll tell you that no one device is going to take over the interface of a system. It won't be voice control. It won't be a remote. It won't be some wall keypad or something. Uh, people in homes, you know, users and users, they use whatever's the most convenient to them. If they're sitting on a, on a sofa and uh, the remote is handy, they grab it. If uh, they have their phone, they may use an app. Um, or, you know, if they have voice control, you know, they, they, they may yell out a command. Yeah, Boils down to convenience whatever is convenient for the end user at the time. And like, like Bob said, your phone, a remote, your voice, whatever, so many different end users use so many different things. And we have to continue to generate products that tend to the convenience of the end user. So that's why remotes aren't dying. Most people are still sitting on their couch with a remote. Even direct TV has a remote where you could talk to it now. So it's kind of like your choice, your preference, your convenience. Now, I totally asked that question to lead into the next article as Bob smiles at me. Uh, this comes to us from The Verge. Uh, Harmony remotes are fading in relevance as streaming takes over, says the Logitech CEO. Um, this is a, 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 an article based on a one-on-one -on -one interview between uh, The Verge and obviously the, the CEO of Logitech. What I found interesting about this is that for Logitech's business, the Harmony division, the remote division, only accounts for 6% of their keyboard business. Not their keyboard and mice business, but their keyboard business. And I couldn't tell you the last time I ordered a keyboard from anyone. <laughs> so uh, Alicia, this, this article really, it surprised me a little bit because it hit on a couple of interesting points where, you know, over time, Harmony was developed and, and smart remotes were developed to, you know, consolidate that, that litany of gear that you had sitting in your living room to let you play games, watch movies, watch cable, watch satellite, and maybe control your TV. Now, <clears throat> their, their CEO is suggesting that we now have a different problem. It's, it's 10 streaming services, not 10 devices. It's, it's maybe two devices and a bunch of services. And that's really changing the way people are using remotes. When you read this, when you see this article and 
I, I kind of want to start with you on this because you're going to have a slightly different take. I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> only being in the residential side of the business for, for the past couple of years, where do you see the, the remote concept going as far as the universal, we just talked about Nero. We we've talked about some of the Crestron remotes, the RTI remotes, the Elan remotes, and obviously the harmony where, where's this going when you can get, as you said, a direct TV remote that'll control a couple devices. You can get an Apple TV remote. You can get uh, a Roku or an Amazon Fire, and it'll control those two or three devices. Is, is this going to kill the mainstream remote? I don't think so. The funny thing was when I was reading this article, it made me think about the first time that I actually put my hands on a universal remote. My dad had brought this big sony like big block looking thing in our house and it controlled only our tv and like you couldn't get to the vcr you can only get to the dvd and this was kind of like when picture and the first time i saw a picture in picture on our big screen that was like a huge tube so it's like the fact that we're still having this conversation and how far they have actually developed since then um is pretty amazing but it was interesting to hear the ceo of logitech say that his even though it's six percent of his business it's they're still the only company that's doing it well. Because at the end of the day, the end user is going to Amazon. Their Harmony collection is still within the top 10 used in highly rated uh, like universal remotes still to this day, especially as Companion because it's, it's gone way beyond just controlling streaming, right? This is bigger than streaming. People who have apartments are having, you know, intelligent lighting. Um, so they they have Alexa. So their companion, you can talk to it. You can control things beyond your, just your TV and your streaming channels that you choose. Um, so it was interesting to hear that, yeah, it's a small portion of his business, but still they're really the only ones that are doing it well in the consumer business. If you go to Amazon, you're going to see a ton of their Harmony collection listed down to their companion, all the way down to their Elite series. So it was a really interesting perspective. I don't think it's going anywhere, especially Logitech, because all of their uh, remotes most of their remotes have Alexa voice control. Um, it's not going anywhere. It's just your preference. Again, it's boiling down to the preference. And again, within these remotes, you can get the Hulu, Amazon, Roku TV, Fire Stick, whatever, whatever your choice is, it's still all in one. So it's not like you have a whole bunch of uh, different remotes there on the coffee table again, um, like back in the day. So preference, um, interesting to hear his point of view, seeing that his business is dying from that point of view when he's the leader and <laughs> when he when he's currently not a vote of confidence right <laughs> right when he's currently the leader in this small portion of the business but then we, we can go back to what control four is doing and they're presenting a universal remote to a to a different audience within yeah. that are people who actually um go to dealers to do custom solutions but what about the people who are do it yourself and go on amazon and just want to have the latest coolest technology that's Logitech when it comes to the universal remote. So Joe, hearing what Alicia is saying, and I'm going to, I'm not going to disagree, but I'm going to add a, add a footnote in my question sure. to you. To me, this, this should serve as a warning to our entire industry. When the, when the CEO of Logitech is saying, Hey, Harmony may not be here in the future. It, it may disappear because we don't necessarily need it to do all these other things. And I look at not the, not the, you know, ultra high end in our, in our residential channel, but entry level to mid market harmony has been a dominant force in that for years. 
is this something that we should be paying more attention to? Oh, I think we have to. We, we're, we'd have to we'd be ignoring that at our own peril because what people are looking for, regardless of price point, is convenience. And much of what is defined as convenience is reliability. Does this work when I need it to work? Which is the advantage we all, although hate to admit, is the advantage to hard buttons. You hit a hard button, it generally works. Voice activated certainly works better and better. Um, but I suspect that the president of Harmony is absolutely correct. This is going to de- this is going to devolve into a niche business. I mean, I, because I'm a nutcase, I don't want any kind of voice control in my house. Yep. If something, if somebody is listening, there is no chance it's going to be in my house. There's, you will never find an Alexa. I, I don't even want Siri on my apples on my Apple devices. So I think there will be a group of people, unless somebody can come up with an air-gapped a voice remote that only works within my air-gapped network, mm-hmm. uh, who will never have. And I'm finding security-conscious people are, seem to be growing and not diminishing. So there is some role for that in this type of product. I mean, if, if I had the wherewithal, I would look to see if I could create within the confines of my house on a voice-controlled system that's air-gapped that nobody could break into or listen to. But I think that's far off. But I think we have to think about what that means in the long run. And the industry has changed. It. You know, everybody seems to be going stream to streaming. I'm finding people, hell, even in my age group, are all cable cutting. It's incredible. It's, you know, it used to be everybody had cable. And, oh, you know, I only watch 10 of the 800 channels. But I still have cable. And now it's everybody talks about streaming services. Uh, it, nobody watches TV programming at the time it's on. They just stream it through whoever has it. And I, I think the the point you had made earlier, Matt, about you know just controlling uh, streaming services. I watched the I think it's the Xfinity ad where find me this show and it picks a streaming device that has it or streaming service that has it. That's where it's going. That's yeah. where I'll see it. Speaking of streaming, Bob, he uh, he alluded that this is essentially streaming's fault that with streaming. Now you can access all this content. You don't need uh, a Blu-ray player. You don't need this. You don't need that. I know in, in my own company, we're pulling out Blu-rays weekly. Those, those disc players are just, they're being turfed. They're being tossed. It's, it's a lot of times coming down to an Apple TV or a Roku and the TV. If they're not just, sourcing everything directly off the panel itself. Is streaming to blame for this potential downturn? You know, I have a slightly different take. I don't think streaming necessarily is the cause of, uh, you know, the Harmony product lines, um, you know, problems. I think it's more the quality of the remotes that are coming with these products. For $29, you can get a Roku with this excellent remote and a companion app or an Apple TV. It's just more expensive. It's a more of a premium product in the streaming category, but you can't beat the Apple TV remote. It's what, four buttons? And uh, you can you can operate across the entire Apple ecosystem of uh, movies and uh, music and uh, whatever uh, streaming services you load onto it. So I think it's more about the quality of the companion remotes of these products more than anything else. I, I, I will say that I, uh, we got an Amazon Fire to play with in-house 
and Amazon obviously has been around for a while, but their, their fire devices weren't shipping into Canada for a couple of years after the U S got them. And when I got it and all of a sudden started playing with it and, and same thing, it's a, it's a four or six button remote has voice act, uh, a bunch of other things. I was shocked at how good it was on a $50 4k streaming device. And you couple that with everything else and go, yeah, this is, this is really, really tough to play with. So very interesting. We will have to watch that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's quickly hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro. Inexter is set to be acquired, acquired by a private equity firm for $3.8 billion. Joe, I want to start with you on this. This is not the first, and I, I'm going to assume it's not the last time we see another distribution house kind of play that that bounce back and forth between uh, being privately owned, being publicly owned, being privately owned again, being acquired, being sold. What is, as somebody who's played in this game before, what is it about distribution that makes it such a commodity, if I will? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And Distribution is, is now evolving, I think, to take up what specialty retail used to do and what um, internet retail cannot do, and that is brand build. And if you start looking at um, early on, and I'm obviously bi somewhat biased, if you look at Avid, which was one of the earlier, let's put this together, distributor, one mm -hmm. of the things that our manufacturers liked about us is we took the time to build a brand because the CI people, all the integrators would come into our showrooms and we would display brands as if we were a retailer and we had people who could actually talk about them. And, and the bricks, these showrooms are the single most expensive thing you can build. It's way easier to build clicks than bricks. So I think they are looking to get to a point as are the snap AV people on all of this to become the future brand builders and take the mantle of transactional cost. If you're uh, I did this calculation years ago for one of the major video vendors and on a transactional cost basis in order for a, a major video vendor to break even with an account at that time. And this was, Oh God, it had to be 15 years ago. If you weren't doing $2 million, they lost money. What CI dealer can do that? Yeah. I mean, if you paid all your bills on time, all of that, they lost money. So they are filling a void, providing the transactional efficiency for the vendors and now adding brand building. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting. Why are they private? Because no, it's not a good enough story to be a public company. Too much risk. Yeah. Very true. Bob, obviously this is your story, so you know know a lot about it. Were you surprised at the the not only the valuation of Annexer, but the the purchase cost? Yeah, um, to a to a degree. I think these numbers always surprise me, but um, I, I think it's simply it, it's based on the fact that Wall Street sees our industry and the security industry in particular uh, as areas that they can invest in long term because of the growing momentum uh, home technology is uh, developing, whether it be, you know, uh, in this case, security, which is more recession proof than some of the other markets or uh, um, even, you know, wellness, which is a big buzzword right now, or some of the other home, uh, home control, home automation. So I think it's simply Wall Street 
looking ahead and seeing um, some opportunity in this market. Yeah, very good. Just just to put it in perspective again, Annexer was uh, or, or set to be acquired for three point eight billion, and this weekend as well, Google bought Fitbit for two point one billion. So Annexer is a pretty big company with a lot of people, a lot of employees, and Fitbit got pretty close to that. Uh, Alicia, last question of the day for you. Is this something that integrators need to pay attention to at all? I, I ask this question every time uh, a major distribu- uh, distributor gets bought or sold or, or management changes. Is that something that we need to pay attention to at all? Or is it something that just you might send the check to a different company? I'm going to piggyback off of what Joe said. If if the integrator is based off and looking into the brand of these distributors and how they're branding themselves, then that matters because they're going to invest their money to where they to the brand that they feel um, associated with. Now that Anister is being bought out by such a huge company, um, the question now is who's going to stay and who's going to go. This is big money for their management team, for stockholders. Who's who's going to stay and continue to build this brand? Is it going to actually be what it used to be. So it's going to be interesting to see how it grows. But as an integrator, as a tech, I might not be paying attention to it um, directly, but maybe as a project manager, people who are buying from these direct companies, it's it's something to keep your eye on, see how things evolve and change, because that also affects your, affects your business as well. Yeah, very good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's take it there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Joe, if people want to connect with you and uh, learn more about Rosewater Energy, where can they do that? You can go to the Rosewater Energy site, which is rosewaterenergy.com, or I love answering email. Just put Joe Pick in front of it, and it's Joe Pick at rosewaterenergy.com. And everyone send him email just for fun. (laughs) I'm definitely going to send you an email. Do it. I love it. Uh, Alicia, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, uh, as well as learn more about Access Networks, where can they do that? Definitely to learn out uh, more about Access Networks, go to accessca.com. You can find all of our information and connect with us there. If you want to connect with me on a personal level, uh, just follow me on Twitter at The Smooth Factor. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Last but not least, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you and learn more about CE Pro, where can they do that? Uh, CE Pro's website is cepro.com. And I hate to admit this because I think I've said this before, but I am not certain of my Twitter handle. So uh, I can't remember it. It's (laughs) some kind of underscore in there, I think, but uh, I don't want to lead people down a path uh, that they don't want to go down. So I am on Twitter anyway. We'll leave it at that. Good. Now I got, uh, now I have two tasks to email Joe and find Bob on on Twitter. I'll find you too. I want to say it's Bob Archer, like 20 or something. It's it's 2010. Yeah. And I think there's an underscore in there somewhere. I'm not too creative with these names, but I I know I follow you. I just don't know where it is. Yeah. But I can't remember if it's an underscore. Hold on. I got it. I got it. It's Bob Archer, 2010. No underscore. Oh. Oh. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I'm not feeling too good right now. <laughs> and here I thought I was helping. All right. Thank you again so much for joining us this week. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matthew Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of
any of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.